Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness where you know I am determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. And in this episode, that includes our children. If you are a mom and all of us have been a mom to someone at some point in our journey, then this is a really important topic. Getting nutrition right for our kids is something that keeps us up at night. I know I'm still there. I'm a 13 year old and 12 year old and it's still happening. Well, joining me today are two women who are determined to help us with that whole dilemma. Let me introduce them. I have both Alexandra Casparo and Whitney English. Alexandra is a registered dietitian and nutritionist with more than 10 years experience counseling on plant-based diets and sports nutrition. So interesting. Her award-winning website, Delish Knowledge, makes whole food plant-based eating deliciously simple. She's the author of Fresh Italian Cooking for the New Generation, which features 100 plus predominantly plant-based Italian recipes. That sounds like it doesn't go together, but we'll get there. <laughs> Whitney English, on the other hand, is also a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and a journalist who has reported in the health and wellness space for more than 10 years. Her website, YouTube channel, and social media platforms, Whitney ERD, provide readers with evidence-based uh, easily digestible information on popular nutrition topics and healthy original recipes. Welcome to the show, ladies. We need you. We're happy to have you guys here. What in the world inspired the two of you to jump into the plant-based community, especially when it comes to those picky, fussy kids? Yeah. So, you know, Whitney and I have been friends for uh, a little over a decade now, both dietitians, of course, uh, and then really started our families around the same time. And at that point, we were just sort of frustrated that we couldn't find evidence-based guidance when it came to raising our kids this way. And we felt like, okay, if we're having a hard time sifting through the research and other parents are likely in the same boat. And that's really the, the catalyst that allowed us to start Plant-Based Juniors, but then also really, uh, you know, why we wrote this book to sort of answer all of the questions that we had uh, during that time. And why plant-based, you know, why, why so focused there out of curiosity, uh, you know, and by the way, you know, it just boggles my mind. I'm sure you guys are following all the studies, but the recent study on prepared baby food and all the heavy metals and prepared, but even what's like we used to consider healthy and organic baby food, like all the contaminants and all that stuff in there. But just curious as to why you guys both focus so much on the plant-based portion of feeding children. Yeah, so Alex and I were both following predominantly plant-based diets prior to having kids. Um, and this is really based on the plethora of research showing that plant-based diets provide numerous health benefits from a reduced rate of chronic diseases to increased health span, potentially even increased longevity. Um, but like Alex said before, when we became parents, we were a little bit nervous. There's a lot of misinformation out there. And uh, we weren't entirely sure that just because the diet was safe for us, that it was also going to be safe safe for children. Luckily, although there isn't as much research, especially on long-term outcomes like there is on adults, the research that we do have about kids points to the fact that 
it likely possesses the same type of benefits by starting a plant-based diet early in life. So kids that follow plant-based diets typically have uh, lower rates of overweight and obesity. They typically have healthier body weights while still attaining a normal height and a normal weight. Um, they get more fruits and vegetables. The average American child only eats, um, or only one in 10 of the average American ch child gets the right amount of fruits and vegetables. So that's a huge benefit if we can get them eating right early on. Only one in 10 kids uh, gets the recommended amount of fiber and plant-based kids typically get more fiber, more vitamin C, more folate. Um, and then they also have lower levels of, of chronic disease risk factors like lower levels of cholesterol, lower levels of inflammatory molecules. So um, we don't have those long-term outcomes uh, studied, but we do have all of these acute effects that are showing that, they like, uh, that a plant-based diet likely possesses those long-term health benefits. Yeah, and I know that in the exam room, and I started my career in pediatrics, by the way, so I'm pretty passionate about children and children's health and trying to get this right. But I know in the exam room, in the older kids, for sure, we're seeing that shift in metabolic markers, right, mm -hmm. where we're seeing the higher cholesterol levels, the higher insulin levels, we're seeing, you know, more fat deposition in general, along with our children, you know, again, these older children sitting more, being more sedentary, all that other stuff. But what about the babies and the youngsters? Because I worry about protein, quite honestly. I mean, I've had cases where we've had, you know, patients or parents where they, you know, were predominantly plant-based, insisted on that for these young children. And a lot of the research we've got for the young ones really talks about the importance of protein and fat for the developing brain, for growth, and so much more. What would you say to that? Or is there an age at which we should really adopt this plant-based lifestyle? Yeah, so, so those nutrients are of course important, right? So whether we're talking about fat, protein, the various micronutrients, iron, zinc, et cetera, we need all of these for, for critical growth and development. Uh, what we say is that we can also get these items in plants. So really our stance is we wanna support parents and families who want to raise their kids either on a plant exclusive or a plant predominant uh, diet and say, you know, this is sort of the, the research, the things that you need to be focused on, right? We do wanna make sure that we're getting enough fat. Uh, Plant-based diets, one of the benefits, especially when it comes to adults, is the fact they tend to be a little bit lower naturally in fat, but we want to make sure that we're giving our children optimal amounts of fat, right? 30, 40%, depending on what age they are. Uh, protein, of course, we want to make sure that we're giving enough protein. That's why we also like to focus on uh, serving adequate amounts of beans and soy-based products to ensure that we're getting all of those amino acids, especially lysine, uh, which can be a little bit, little bit more limiting in a plant-based diet. But as long as you're sort of taking this well-planned approach, uh, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Nutrition and Dietetics Association, the Canadian Pediatric Association, they all say that well-planned plant-based diets are safe, uh, appropriate, and, and likely beneficial for all aspects of the life cycle, including infancy, pregnancy, lactation, and toddlerhood. And if we're talking about protein specifically, um, the research actually shows that all kids, regardless of the diet they're following, are getting more protein than they need. So some studies have shown that plant-based kids, whether vegan or vegetarian, get about double the protein that's recommended uh, per day, while omnivorous kids are getting about three times the protein. And again, protein is so important for growth and development, but too much of anything is it can be a bad thing. So actually, there's also studies showing that kids who are getting an upwards of say four times the amount of protein that they need are at a higher risk of some of these um, diseases like, like obesity. So 
we really want our kids to be getting an optimal amount of protein, not too much, not too little. And all of the research shows that plant-based kids get it. And that makes sense because all whole plant foods contain protein. So we really only see protein malnutrition in, in underdeveloped countries. And with the protein, like what would be your top picks for getting those protein numbers kind of where they need to be for a parent who's trying to plan a plate and think through like, okay, we've got antioxidants, fiber, you know, where's the protein? Yeah. What are, what are some of the picks that they could make there? Yeah. So Alex and I created what we call the PB3 plate, which is a visual guide to meal planning for parents. It's this cute little graphic with uh, little <laughs> uh, characters on there for each of the foods that we recommend. And this is really intended to take the guesswork out of meal planning for parents. Um, as I said before, there's protein found in all whole plant foods, but our main sources where we're going to get a lot of it are in the legumes, nuts, and seeds category, and then in the grains and starches category. And those are two of the main PB3 categories. So um, things like beans, things like soy foods, uh, whole grains, a lot of people don't realize that a major portion of your protein is going to be coming from grains. A slice of bread, for example, even refined bread, um, not the best source, but uh, will have four to six grams of protein. So um, it, there's there's plenty of places to meet those needs. And, and for babies, it's really easy to, to meet their needs as well in, in age and texture appropriate form. So in our book, We've got things like millet meatballs that can be shaped for babies to pick up in their hands starting right at six months. Um, we do a lot of legume pastas so that they can get extra protein and iron again in these like palmable forms. I love that. I love those uh, hacks because I think that's where people really struggle. It's like, how do I do this? How do I make this happen? Now, one of the benefits I think of sort of this approach is creating that palate, right? Mm -hmm. For fruits and vegetables and plant-based foods and not creating this palate where it's only like, you know, super starchy or meat and all that other stuff or high salt foods, you know, how does, if let's say you're new to this world and you want to make this transition, but you already have these palates in your family that have adapted to high salt. Actually, I saw a patient today who was struggling with that. How do I adapt the entire family who the children are now, you know, 10, 11, and 12? How do you adapt them to this new way of eating? What's your recommendation there? Because we know kids are picky eaters. Yes. As they get older, first they fight, then they ignore. And then as they get older, they just flat out defy. So how do you kind of get around some of those issues as you're trying to change, you know, the taste literally in their mouth? Yeah, so exactly like you said, right? It doesn't have to be uh, overnight. It also doesn't have to be a complete shift all at once, right? We know that small changes can make a big difference, especially if we're talking about taste retraining, right? If we went into our family and said, okay, you know, no more of the old food. This is sort of our new diet right now. You're going to be met with a mutiny, right? It's not going to go over very well. Yeah. But if we slowly start to adjust some of the salt intake, if we start to slowly adjust some of those higher fiber, uh, more whole grain options, especially if you're used to only serving more of the more refined grains, you know, this can take time. Nutrition is a long game, right? We're talking about slowly adjusting our kids' habits, our preferences, especially because we know so much of the benefits when it comes to plant-rich diets in older age. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, completely done in two weeks or a month. If that means your child goes from you know, 10% sort of this whole food, uh, more plant-based diet to over a year or so is now eating even 50%. That's awesome, 
right? Yeah. We know that that all aspects of, of plant-based eating, the more plants that we get on the plate is going to, you know, have so many benefits. So it even doesn't have to be a hundred percent. We really like to say that we are predominantly plant-based because we know so much of the benefits about adding more plant-based foods on the plate and whatever that looks like for your family, whatever works, there's, there's going to be benefits, especially if we're considering shifting from sort of that standard American, that more Westernized typical diet. You know, what I found to be so fun and it's fun to watch the transition in my children too, is that just shifting what's served, like what the choices are for the evening. Again, my children are a little bit older, so this might not work for the younger ones, but literally like, you know, whereas before we might have a starch, you know, one or two starches, then the vegetables, then the, whatever the protein of the day was. Now it's like two to three different vegetable servings or types, whether it's a salad, steamed broccoli, and other stir fry. And then whatever the starch is, is either non-existent or it's there in a very tiny amount. So the portion's so limited that everybody can only have a very, you know, a very small amount of that. And it is, I've watched it shift their choices. It's pretty fascinating because as they shift and they eat more of sort of these whole foods and these plant-based foods, they're not asking for dessert. They're not asking for I feel like it's just like a vicious cycle. Like you want the, you get the salt, you get the heavy foods, then you want the sugar, then you want the next thing. And like all of that shifts as their chemistry shifts. So that's been fun just in our family, you know, not even talking about patients, but just in our family to kind of watch that transition. So other, other ways to transition for maybe younger children, what's the best way to do it for those little ones who, you know, they just want their mac and cheese and their chicken fingers, right? So how do you treat them? It's really about meeting kids where they're at, whatever age group we're talking about is that kids thrive on familiarity. So like Alex said, you know, you can't just show up with a brand new plate of food, all new things that they've never seen before. So one of the strategies we talk about in the, in the book, especially for like that one to two year old picky eating period is to always include one to two foods that you already know your child is going to like and going to eat along with these new learning to like foods. Um, And then while providing these foods, taking the pressure off the plate. So you're providing it in a neutral way. You're not saying you have to eat this if you want to get other food. You're not saying you have to finish your plate before you leave the table. You're just providing it and you're stepping back and you're letting your child lead the way. Of course, initially, most of the kids are going to reject these new foods, especially if they're new. But the more and more that we can expose them to to these new foods um, and these foods that we want them to be regularly eating and do it without pressure, the more likely they are to come around to it and to eat it themselves. We find that when you pressure kids to eat certain foods, the opposite actually happens. Restriction or um, pressuring always backfires. And the same with restriction. When we try to tell our kids, you absolutely can't have this food, research shows that the reverse happens. They eat more of it. So it's really our job as a parent just to provide these nutritious options and then to step back and allow our children, whatever age they are, the opportunity to eat it on their own. Yeah, I have so many stories about that. My mom was super healthy. She never bought any of the junk. And I remember standing in the grocery store line with her, like, just you wait, just you wait. <laughs> by myself. I'm, I'm gonna sorry. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. Alex and I talk about it in the book too. Yeah. We used to call my mom, the fruit and veggie police. Yeah. She would put out broccoli and carrots for my friends when they would come yeah. over and I'd be so embarrassed. And then I'd go to a friend's house and I would go into their pantry and yeah, and have a free for all. Yeah. And so that's another thing we really dive into in the book is how your parenting style can really affect your kids eating behaviors. 
Um, so it's so, so important to, to instill these, these healthy behaviors at an, at an early well, that's age. Happening, that's happening in our home. My daughter's complained to me. She's like, I don't like having friends here because like, mm. there's no, there's no fun food to eat. It's like, mm. having, like your weird, like gluten-free and veggie food and whatever she calls it. <laughs> like just, you have to adapt to what we've got. You have to be proud of kind of these choices. How do you handle teenagers? I probably need some advice there. When it comes to food, how do you handle the teenagers? What does the research say about them? What's the best, <laughs> what's the best approach there? I actually tell the ones that come to the practice that are like high school headed off to college. I'm like, this is the toughest, the toughest group of patients. Cause I'm going to give them all this advice and they're going to follow maybe one thing and all the stuff I give them. So what's the best way to handle them? Yeah. You know, I, I think teenagers are a little bit like toddlers, right? They really want to make their own decisions. What we sort of say as parents is like, yes, okay. I appreciate your comment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, in a lot of ways we have to respect that. So, you know, we, we sort of take the approach of just kind of like Whitney said, we can offer these foods in our home. Uh, doesn't mean we necessarily have to cater to all of our kids once and need Needs, but also understand that the more they feel restricted, uh, they, they likely are going to go out or when they are exposed to those foods, they perhaps might binge them. The research shows that they sort of tend wow. to sneak these kind of foods and, and hide them. And, you know, we want our kids, of course, to eat healthy, but also have a healthy relationship with food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might be surprised as dietitians, we actually recommend things like serving dessert with meals or allowing for some of these things in in sort of the structure versus restriction way, because we want our kids to trust themselves around food and and not also feel like, you know, these foods are sort of off limits or that they're on this pedestal, because that can create a lot of other concerns uh, when it comes to, you know, kids feeling like this food is bad or this food is good and sort of what that means internally to how they view themselves when they eat those foods. Oh my goodness. At the same time. It's, I was just going to say, at the same time, that doesn't mean that just because you want your kids to have a healthy, balanced relationship and be able to have all foods fit, that doesn't mean that you have to bring soda mm-hmm. and Snickers bars into your kitchen. Another option could be, well, you're having some friends over. You want to, what, what would you like to serve them? You think yeah. some some cookies would be nice? Here's a great recipe I found. Mm-hmm. And you can use your more, more whole foods options in making that that recipe if you'd prefer to do that at home besides buying quote unquote, junk food. So there are ways you can make it fit in your family without having like blanket restrictions. I love those. I think those are all such doable hacks and ideas. And it, and it is a lot about, you know, what I'm taking away from this, it's a lot about letting your kids lead, which is so much of parenting in general, (laughs) right? Is letting them, letting them, educating them, empowering them, but then that stepping back for a second and letting them make those choices. So I think that's such an important point. And I have already seen like some of the, this is good, this is bad. I'm going to starve and then binge and and all that other stuff. I'm already seeing some of the early signs of that in some of our community. And it it really disturbs me and bothers me. Well, I love, I love this. What other hacks or tips do you have for parents? And I'm curious too, what your thought is on the whole baby food, switching back to a different age group completely, like prepared baby foods and all this other stuff that we see out on the marketplace, kind of where does that fit in, you know, to feeding our children and all that other good stuff? Yes. So when it comes to starting solids, Alex and I, we, 
we're, uh, this is another place where we're really all inclusive and, and really recommend individualizing what you do in your house. If feeding your baby purees is what works for you, great. We talk about how to do that in the book, but we really like an approach called baby led weaning. And this can actually be kind of um, combined with, with a traditional approach to solids using purees and mashes if you like, or you can simply do baby led weaning. But the idea of baby led weaning is providing kids with um, age and texture appropriate finger foods right from the start so that they are feeding themselves right from the start. Um, in which case you wouldn't be using prepared baby foods. You'd be serving baby many of the same foods that you eat. Well, all of the same foods that you eat as a family, just in a slightly altered form so that it's not a choking risk and isn't high in salt and sugar, which we want to limit for babies before the age of two. Um, so if you're making, for example, um, like in the book, we've got a tofu marinara recipe. If you're doing that for the family, you're also offering it to baby. You're just using a low sodium marinara and you're cutting the tofu into strips that they can grab with their palm and eat right out of their hands. Uh, the Tex-Mex meatballs we talked about before, those can be shaped into a form where baby can feed themselves. So we're not anti-store-bought um, purees, but like you said before, there, there are some concerns with the heavy metals. A lot of that, uh, unfortunately, is actually just due to the, the food itself and the fact that the, the soil that like carrots, for instance, or sweet potatoes are grown in, these plants uptake it from the soil. So it almost can't be avoided in many cases. I mean, this is something we could go off on a whole tangent about. Yeah. I think the issue is more about the fact that the companies aren't testing them. Right. But even if you made it at home, your carrot could also potentially contain heavy metals and you could be uh, putting those things, you could be exposing them either way. The key really is offering variety. And we recommend that whether again, you're doing a traditional approach or you're doing a baby led weaning approach is not heavily relying on only one type of food. We really want to expose babies early and often to as many diverse flavors and textures as possible in order to build adventurous eaters. Um, and we think that's what baby led weaning does both, but best. And then it also, um, gets away from this kind of monotone flavor and texture that you would have with, with purees. But for some parents, you know, that, that for access reasons, for, for, um, time reasons that might, that might be the, their best option. So we don't want to exactly negate that as well, but we think there's, there's room for, for a combined approach instead of just doing that. If, if that's, if you are going to incorporate them in some way. Yeah, I love that. Okay, last question is really more for us moms. Uh, Plant-based foods, prepping them, putting them together is a little bit of, of work or effort. What are your favorite hacks in having all of this ready to go for your kids when you're running around doing 50 million things, maybe working as well? What's uh, What are your top three hacks for all the moms listening who want to do this? that don't want to cut up carrots and celery and zucchini all day long. So what would you tell them? Yeah. So uh, I will say there's nothing wrong with grabbing already cut uh, produce from the store. I do that often. It is a little bit more expensive, but I, it, you know, time is money. So mm. it's also nice in time just to grab those ready to go. Then you can steam roast, however you want to cook them. Uh, I tend to do a big batch of like roasted vegetables early in the week. My kids love them. It's a nice way to sort of incorporate uh, some of those foods, perhaps they're learning to like. So I'll do a lot of like sweet potatoes, carrots, cauliflower, broccoli. Sometimes I sneak in some beets there too, sort of an exposure option. Uh, but that's also delicious for my husband and I to put on, you know, bowls or salads at the week. Um, I like to do a big batch of grains. So just kind of switch things up. 
I'll cook those in my Instant Pot. Uh, again, I can make those into, you know, grain balls for my kids. I can add those to, to salads or to bowls for myself and my husband. Uh, you know, big batches of tofu or beans are also great. And then I do a lot of breakfast prep. So I feel like I'm not really home at, at lunch. You know, I'm at the office or, or busy. So sort of that time in the morning when we're all sitting down together having breakfast, uh, that's really my time where I cut up, you know, fruit. I cut up veggies while we're sort of having a conversation. Uh, so I'm still involved. I'm still there with my kids, but I'm also getting some meal prep done either for that day or for the week ahead. I love that. Uh, great hacks, great tips. Thank you both for taking time out to join us and educate us on feeding our children and keeping them healthy for the long haul. If anyone listening or watching today wants to learn more or uh, get in touch with you guys, what's the best way for them to do that? Yes, you can follow us at Plant Based Juniors over on Instagram. We're on all channels, but Instagram is is yeah sort of our, our most popular option at Plant Based Juniors. You can also find us on PlantBasedJuniors.com, and our brand new book is called The Plant Based Baby and Toddler, and that is available wherever books are sold. Fantastic! Well, thank you both so much, and for everybody else listening and watching, thank you for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time. Bye.